<clears throat> so good afternoon, and thank you all for being here for this uh, lunch hour lecture here at UCL. Um, the topic of my talk is what is modern slavery, as you will see here, as you know. And most people in this audience will be familiar with the concept of slavery as it has been historically understood. What was uh, slavery historically? We find the traditional definition of slavery in the 1926 United Nations Slavery Convention. According to this convention, Article 1 of this convention, slavery is the status or condition of a person over whom any or all of the powers attaching to the right of ownership are exercised. This is what is slavery. The legal right of ownership, as you can see from this uh, definition, is central in the traditional definition of slavery. The objectification of the individual, the power to buy an individual and sell an, a person, to buy and sell a person, is what was central in the traditional definition of slavery. The institution of slavery approached people as objects, and this is what made it, brought it, contrary, why it was contrary to human dignity. This type of slavery has been, has been abolished today in, most, in the developing world at least. For this reason, some people in this room may think that slavery does not exist in the developed world either. Most people in this room will probably think that we don't have slavery nowadays. We may still have injustice in the employment relationship, but this may never amount to what we call slavery. Is this right? Do we have examples of slavery in the present day world? in the UK, in Europe, and elsewhere. In order to answer this question, does slavery exist in the UK and Europe, uh, I will focus on the example of uh, domestic work. I am uh, aware that there are other examples that people may have in mind, like human trafficking for sexual exploitation or children's trafficking, but I will not talk about them today, only about domestic work. What is domestic work? What are domestic workers? Domestic workers, usually work, domestic workers typically work in private homes. They perform various household tasks, such as cleaning, gardening, looking after kids, babies, looking after the elderly. This type of work is most of the times uh, done by women. They may be live-in domestic workers when they stay with a family where they work, or the individual where they work, live-in domestic workers, or live-out domestic workers where they don't stay with the family. They may be full-time, employed full-time, or part-time. We should not underestimate uh, the, the, the importance of domestic work for, contemporary, for the contemporary world. Many people in this audience may have a domestic worker, perhaps not live-in, perhaps not full-time, but perhaps just once a week, for a couple of hours a week. Most of the times, domestic workers are treated well by their employers, and that is important, of course. Domestic labor may well be a desirable job for workers um, who are not highly skilled and may not find it easy to find a different job. Domestic work, like other jobs, can be fulfilling for the, for the employee, for the worker. The worker develops a personal relationship of trust with the employer, and this is very much valued in an employment relationship. 
with changes happening in the labor market, with women nowadays working outside home, in the labor market outside home, there is a real need for domestic labor. It is beneficial for the employer, it is beneficial for the worker, and for the labor market as a whole. However, domestic labor also sets challenges. There are serious challenges with the regulation of domestic labor. What are these? First of all, this intimacy that often characterizes the relationship between the employer and the worker may make him or her feel like a family member or seem like a family member, not a worker. And so it seems that it is an informal relationship. It doesn't really feel like an employment relationship. It feels less formal. Moreover, importantly, domestic work is, typical, is, 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 done, is done in the privacy of the employer's household. The domestic authorities, the, the national authorities, the authorities do not have access to the household. So, domestic workers are hidden, particularly when they are live-in domestic workers, where they live with the employer, the authorities can never have access to them, and they can never have access to the authorities. In addition, so they, they may be living, they are hidden at home, at the same time, domestic workers are very often migrants. Their status, migrant workers are often preferred to, um, by the employers, particularly if we're talking about live-in domestic workers who care about for kids or the elderly. So um, um, employers prefer migrants. However, at the same time, their immigration status, the immigration status of domestic workers, makes them more, more vulnerable to, uh, to ill treatment, and we will see that uh, in a minute. So domestic workers have an intimate relationship that feels a little bit informal with the employer, feels a bit more informal than other employment relationships. They are migrant, they are women, um, they are hidden in the privacy of the employer's home. These are some key characteristics. In recent years, what has happened is that various international organizations like the European Union, the Council of Europe, and the International Labour Organization um, have argued that domestic workers are indeed subject to abuse. In addition, various NGOs has, have argued, like Anti-Slavery International, Kalayan, Human Rights Watch, Justice for Domestic Workers, various NGOs have argued that domestic workers may be subject to abuse indeed. And there is, the, we can see data on this, what are the types of abuse uh, suffered by domestic workers? That is just a small example, but of course there are a lot of uh, data, there's a lot of information um, online in various reports. So according to data uh, that is found in a report by Kalayan, and London-based NGO, um, uh, from those that registered with this organization, domestic workers who registered with this organization, about 300 people every year, but these are the, this, the data here is just from 2010. 60% of those registered with it were not allowed to go out unaccompanied. 65% had their passport withheld. 54% suffered psychological abuse. 18% suffered physical abuse or assault. 3% were sexually abused. 26% did not receive adequate meals and 49% did not have their own room. This is just a small example, but there is plenty of information online in various reports. 
Let us hear the voices of some London-based domestic workers. This is a short video by Anti-Slavery International. I will only show two minutes, if it works. And, uh, uh, but you, I recommend that you watch it all, uh, the whole of it. Here it is. I would say that in the Philippines, slavery is very much alive. Contrary to the belief in, the, you know, in Europe and in the North, that slavery is actually abolished 200 years ago, I would say that here in the Philippines we are still fighting to abolish it. It is very much um, manifested in the life of our domestic worker. Uh, I feel the people around me are cruel, you know, cruel people, people because inside the house, all, uh, almost all the employees, including children, are very cruel to me, and they just treated me as if I am nothing, that I am a dirt. Para sa akin po yung, lalo na po pag nilalait po niya yung sarili ko, yung ninamura niya po ako, sinasabi ang sila ulo, tangada po ako araw-araw. Sometimes I go to once a month in a country house and clean the country house, big bungalow. I think 19 bedroom, I clean everything and I look up garden, two horses, two ponies there, and four chicken is there. I look up everything and come back. Sometimes very bad. I am very tired, but how can I do? Even here in London, he's still doing the things. Just ask me to go the bathroom because the bathroom is lacking, and when it's not, so he just lock me in the bathroom with him and try to harass me, like hold my private things. So um, there is nothing I can do because even here, I don't know nobody. Like two o'clock in the morning, he was sleeping. I just put my, I put some some clothes to the black bag, like bin bag. Because that's the time, like throwing all the bin. Like I think that's Tuesday, and I put all my some of my clothes there, and then I just ran away from him. He was sleeping all that time. I don't have nothing. I don't have money and everything. But I just walking on the street until in the morning, like two o'clock until seven o'clock in the morning. I don't know London. I don't know nobody. So until I meet one Filipino woman, and when I meet her, he just took me to her place. So, um, the living and working conditions, as you saw from this video, of domestic workers can be appalling. That's a long video by Anti-Slavery International. You can watch more of these online. So, what is the role of the law? What does the law do for domestic workers? Sadly, uh, national employment legislation, as well as immigration legislation, in many jurisdictions, including the UK, even more sadly, puts domestic workers at, dis at a disadvantage. And I'll give you a few examples. First of all, um, labor law on working conditions differentiates the treatment of domestic workers from other categories of workers. In the UK, for example, domestic workers are exempted from legislation on working time, minimum wage, and health and safety. Regula for example, 
Regulation 19 of the Working Time Regulations excludes domestic workers in private homes from the majority of regulations on maximum weekly working time, no maximum weekly working time, maximum working time for young workers, no maximum time for young workers, length of time at work, exemption, no, uh, and night work by young worker, workers as well. They are exempted. On minimum wage, the UK minimum wage regulations of 1999 exempt family members and those living within the family uh, household who are not family, but work in the household or for the family business. So the minimum wage regulations exclude family members and those that are treated like family. Domestic workers are classified as family in, in the law, and so they are exempted from the minimum wage regulations. Another area of law, which is also striking, another area of law that treats domestic workers differently to other workers is health and safety. Here in the UK, we have the Health and Safety at Work Act of 1974, which regulates working conditions, inspection and sanctions. This act, which regulates labor inspections, explicitly, explicitly excludes domestic workers. Inspections are not permitted in private households and domestic workers are explicitly excluded from the Health and Safety at Work Act. So we see that domestic workers are found in a regulatory gap. There is a gap, very little protection of their minimal protection of their basic labor rights, if any at all, and then no monitoring of their workplace conditions by inspectors. To make things even worse, we have immigration law that uh, creates further precariousness of domestic workers, further vulnerability for domestic workers. Immigration legislation on domestic uh, workers, um, in, in the UK, immigration rules until recently permitted the domestic worker who came here accompanying an employer to change employer, but not work sector. There are about 15,000 domestic workers that come in the country every year accompanying a particular employer. Until recently, they could change employer if the employer ill-treated them. In 2012, the UK government changed these regulations. And now, domestic workers who arrive to the country accompanying an employer cannot change employer. If they are ill-treated by their employer and they report it to the authorities, they will be deported. So now, domestic workers are tied to their employer when they are brought with their employer, the special uh, visa of domestic workers. They are tied to their employer. And even though various NGOs such as Anti-Slavery International, Kalayan, Justice of Domestic Workers, opposed strongly this reform because they said that this would lead to modern slavery, the regulations took effect earlier this year. Finally, I will mention very briefly um, two further categories of domestic uh, two further uh, categories of domestic workers that suffer of special vulnerability. These are irregular migrants and uh, uh, those that accompany diplomats. Irregular migrants on irregular migrants. What happens is that courts in this country say that if you are an irregular migrant, then your contract of employment is illegal. Because your contract is illegal. You cannot claim anything under your contract. You cannot even claim wages. So an irregular migrant domestic worker who has worked for an employer will not even be entitled to his or her wages 
because the employment contract was illegal. Finally, very briefly, diplomatic immunity, that's all these issues are big issues. Diplomatic immunity, what happens is that diplomats enjoy diplomatic immunity. Very often diplomats who come to this country or to, to various other countries, they bring with them their domestic workers. But even if they ill treat them, they cannot be held accountable exactly because they enjoy diplomatic immunity. In these uh, situations, there are various videos that you can watch online. There was an interesting BBC uh, documentary on this. In these situations, you may see that we have the most serious examples of abuse. So the law does not treat domestic workers very well. I hope I made this clear. Domestic workers are excluded from a lot of labor protective legislation. So labor law makes them precarious. Immigration law ties them to a particular employer uh, uh, when they accompany this employer to the country. So they cannot escape unless they decide to escape. And in this case, they will be deported. And those uh, small percentage that uh, accompany diplomats, they cannot hold them accountable for serious abuse. Irregular migrants also suffer special precariousness. So um, domestic workers in the UK and various other countries are very precarious. Can this be classified as modern slavery? To answer this question, the answer, no, the answer to this question has come through international human rights law. So I will talk to you about the landmark decision of the European Court of Human Rights that you must all be familiar with. It has a lot of attracted a lot of press uh, in this press interest in this country. The judgment of the European Court of Human Rights that I will talk about is Siliadin versus France of 2005. Siliadin was uh, a young woman, 16 years old, I think, at the time that she was brought to France from Togo by her employers. They told her that she would work for them a bit, but she would also be educated. But instead, they didn't send her to school. They just kept her at home to do domestic work. She had to clean the house. She had to clean the employer's office. She had to look after three children, two children and one baby. She had to work almost 15 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, she never had a day off. She was never paid. She got a few euros only for, for her work of, uh, for her. yeah, she was almost never paid. When she escaped from her employers, she found out that French law did not treat the employers as criminals. It was not a criminal offense in France to treat the workers as Miss Liadine was treated. She exhausted domestic remedies. She went to the European Court of Human Rights. The European Convention on Human Rights is mainly about civil and political rights, the right to free expression, freedom of religion. It's not so much about labor rights. However, it has one provision uh, Article 4 of the European Convention on Human Rights that we have here that says no one shall be held in slavery or servitude. No one shall be required to perform forced or compulsory labor. So the European Convention on Human Rights, a civil and political rights document, protects, prohibits slavery and servitude. The European Court of Human Rights looked at her situation and, she said, and it said, the court said, 
that this was not slavery, she's not a slave, because the court used the definition of slavery that we find in the 1926 convention that I mentioned in the first slide, which says that for slavery, the right of ownership is essential. The European Court of Human Rights said that, so, said that she was not a slave, exactly because she was not owned. There was not legal right of ownership, no legal right of ownership. However, the court classified her situation as servitude, which is the same in effect because um, uh, Article 4 of the European Convention on Human Rights was, was still applicable. So the court said that this was servitude, the situation of Siliadine. On servitude, it said that what is prohibited, said the court, is a particularly serious form of denial of freedom. It includes, in addition to the obligation to perform certain services, the obligation of the person to live in another person's property, to live in the property, and the impossibility of altering this situation. The court said that Miss Iliadin was entirely at the employer's mercy, since her papers had been confiscated, had pass her passport had been taken, and she had been promised, she has been given a false promise that her immigration status would be regularized. So for the first time in the Ciliadin versus France case, the case of the domestic worker, for the first time in its history, the European Court of Human Rights found a violation of Article 4 of the European Convention on Human Rights. This was a landmark judgment, the judgment Ciliadin uh, versus France of the European Court of Human Rights. It recognized that uh, uh, workers' rights should be classified as human rights in certain circumstances. It gave new life to a provision that looked obsolete uh, because it had never been used for many decades. It attracted attention around the world. It even attracted attention here in the UK. And this judgment, Ciliadin versus France, was uh, di discussed in parliamentary debates here that led, importantly, to the adoption of legislation here, sex Section 71 of the Coroners and Justice Act, legislation that criminalizes slavery. That was in 2009 thanks to Ciliadin, to a certain degree. Ciliadin was also, so it had a lot of impact, this judgment, by raising awareness around the world about the living and working conditions of domestic workers. Ciliadin was also discussed during the drafting of another landmark international instrument, the International Labour Organization Convention on Domestic Workers that was adopted in 2011. This convention uh, takes a human rights approach. It says that workers' rights, domestic workers' rights, are human rights. And it sets cer certain standards to which all signatory parties will have to uh, abide with, with which a lot of sig all, all signatory parties have to abide with. So we had a we've had a lot of developments in, in, in recent years. It should be said here that even though this convention will enter into force next year, the UK government was one of the very few governments that said that it's not going to support the convention, although there was about 300 uh, uh, countries that supported the convention. The UK government has said that it will not support this convention. It will not sign up to it. Um, it abstained in the vote in the ILO, in the International Labour Organization. So given that the UK, UK legislation falls short of uh, international standards, it's not a surprise that the UK government will not sign up to it, but it is very troubling.
So what is modern slavery from what we've said this far? Key elements of modern slavery, I think, are these three. First of all, what I will call here legislative precariousness. This is the legislation which I mentioned earlier, labor immigration legislation, which excludes certain groups of workers from a number of legal rights. And in this way, it makes them very vulnerable to abuse, to serious abuse. Second, the lack of decent options for these workers, the choice that domestic workers face, is often between poverty, back home, or even if they are from this country, from the same country, if they are nationals of the country, or homelessness, for instance. And on the one hand, and on the other hand, taking up domestic work that makes them very vulnerable to serious abuse. Finally, the social reality. Statistics show, we saw earlier, statistics show that domestic workers are in fact routinely abused and their life becomes often the object of the employer's control. So we have legislation that makes domestic workers precarious. We have the social reality, uh, we have poverty, the, the alternatives that they have are not um, decent. Third, the social reality. Employers do, in fact, in certain circumstances, of course, and not always, uh, not in the majority of circumstances, the, 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 the fact that in reality, domestic workers are abused. So these are key elements of modern slavery, at least in relation to domestic work. So to conclude, so that we have a bit of time of questions as well, Um, so I have shown, I hope, that we are in the process of, recognizes, of recognizing that abuse of domestic workers and other victims of trafficking uh, can be classified as modern slavery. It is classified as modern slavery today by international organizations and national NGOs and other organizations. I should add here that the European Court of Human Rights is not alone in focusing on domestic labor as modern slavery. On Tuesday, 25 September 2012, US President Barack Obama gave a very powerful talk on human trafficking. He described abuses of workers' rights as modern slavery. Obama undertook the commitment to make this a matter of priority for his administration. He said, we see you, we hear you. We insist on your dignity. Setting workers' rights like this in the top, on the top of the agenda has a lot of symbolic power. This is particularly so when coming from the president of a country that has, that has been scarred by slavery historically. Obama said, I do not use the word slavery lightly. And he went on to explain, I quote, when a man desperate for work finds himself in a factory or on a fishing boat or in a field, working, toiling, for little or no pay, and beaten if he tries to escape, said Obama, that is slavery. When a woman is locked in a sweatshop or trapped in a home as a domestic servant, alone and abused and incapable of living, that's slavery. That's the end of the quote. So Obama himself classified domestic, slavery, domestic work in certain conditions as modern slavery. The classification of labor rights uh, uh, abuse as modern slavery does not only have symbolic power, 
It also has practical consequences. It mobilizes human rights organizations as well as the civil society, and importantly, it imposes positive obligations, legal obligations on states to take measures, to take steps to address the abuse. States have to take action, state authorities have to take action to discover and address the abuse in practice. So slavery has many faces, and human rights law has shown that it has a power to capture modern aspects of slavery. It remains to be seen if the authorities will take the necessary steps to address uh, the problem in uh, practice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, do we have any questions? There are some mics here, and if you have a question, um, we'd like you to use. Yes, there's one. Yeah, yeah, thanks. That was uh, very interesting, very troubling. Um, uh, do you know how the um, government defended its position on uh, domestic workers and um, the International Convention on Human Rights you mentioned? Yes. Um, uh, Ms. Warwick said uh, in a statement uh, of a UK representative at the International Labour Conference, um, we do not consider it appropriate or practical to extend criminal health and safety legislation, including inspections, to cover private households employing domestic workers. They said it's impracticable. And then she said it would be difficult, for instance, to hold elderly individuals who employ carers to the same standards as large companies. That's what they said. I don't see why, of course, because if they treat them, uh, if they commit crimes, they should be held accountable as large companies. But this is what the government said. Uh, that it is impracticable. There are issues with privacy, for example, right? So the government here may say we cannot monitor private households, we cannot hel send health inspectors to private households because uh, they will, that violates the privacy of the employer's home. But this has been resolved in other countries. For instance, I think in France, um, uh, health inspectors, uh, health and safety inspectors, work inspectors, can take a special, uh, special permit uh, from a judge, for instance, in order to visit a household if there is a, if, if there is a reason to believe that uh, they will treat a domestic worker. So the reasons are practical reasons, I guess, but uh, they can be resolved. And the ILO Convention also shows how they can be resolved. Thank you. Any more? Yes, we have another one here. Hi, thank you very much for your talk. It's very inspiring. Um, I know you said at the very beginning that you're not you're going to focus on domestic workers and not at all about human trafficking. But in the case of Siladin actually struck me as it could be a trafficking case because all the elements are there. She was given a false promise. Her documents are taken away. So my question to you is: Do you think that if we were to view that case from the lens of a human trafficking case rather than a human rights case, that would actually stigmatize it further and? Would that be the way forward, or would you rather keep it within the human rights debate? Yes, you're totally right. It can be classified as a case of human trafficking. Um, I think that usually human trafficking is uh, seen as, uh, as sex, sex trafficking is only seen as human trafficking. But we had some data a, a, couple, of a couple of months ago, I think, from the government that showed that 10% of those that are trafficked are trafficked for domestic work. Uh, 
and 20% for sex trafficking. Yeah, it is, there are human trafficking issues as well in the domestic labor sector. But at the same time, it's important to realize, I think, to also keep in mind that um, um, there may be nationals of the country that are still very vulnerable to labor rights abuse, domestic workers. So yeah, there, they may be human trafficking victims and it is worth examining it, examining it as a human trafficking issue, but not only human trafficking victims. Thank you. Uh, any other questions? Are there uh, some questions at the top? Um, thank you for the very interesting talk, which was very troubling. Um, I wonder what's the uh, gender dimension to this. I imagine I know, but I wonder what it is. And it reminds me very much of the film The Colour Purple, because there's an entrapment um, in a domestic situation which isn't for payment. I was the first unmarried mother to be a barrister, and Helena Kennedy the second. And I know even now that certain people make abusive remarks to me um, as I go around. Um, and it, it's quite offensive. And it doesn't seem that you have any power or strength because you're just, you're impoverished, as you say. Um, you're dehumanized, you're humiliated. And because you're impoverished, you're not able to have the same um, ability to, um, you know, do the things that you would otherwise. But I'm, I'm a human rights lawyer and I've spent my life trying to help other people. Thank you. Yes, great. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, that is a very important dimension of this discussion. And there is very... Uh, welcome back. <laughs> Uh, great, thank you for coming. Um, you're right, the gender dimension is very important in, dom in the situation, in the treatment of domestic workers. First of all, we say that women can participate in the work, in the labor market outside home, women, Western, women in the Western world, like me, like uh, all of us here, and that is good for, the, for, uh, for, the gen for gender equality, but at the same time, the domestic workers who are employed like this in the secondary labor market in this, yeah, in the secondary labor market, there are still women. So this is one aspect of it that's very interesting. Another aspect of it which, on which Bridget Anderson from Oxford has written is that uh, um, because the employers are women and the domestic workers are women, the employers in the domestic labor sector, more or less, they are keen to maintain the status inequality, the employers when they are women, and they treat domestic workers exactly for that reason. Um, um, yeah, I mean, there, it is a very important aspect of the question. Thank you. Another question here. Are, are there jurisdictions in the world that seem to have resolved this problem, put, put whatever laws or inspections or, or other procedures that you could cite as examples of how things might be done elsewhere? Yes, uh, um, thank you. Um, uh, there are other jurisdictions that are equally problematic to the UK, um, but also there are other jurisdictions that have resolved these questions. Um, as I said, for instance, on labor inspections, in certain countries you can get a, a special permit from a judge in order to inspect a private household. On uh, minimum wage in other jurisdictions, they are not exempted. 
from minimum wage regulations. Um, I think the ILO Convention on Domestic Workers, if you are interested in having a look at it, shows exactly what needs to be done in, in order to address uh, the problems in UK law, in UK law and in the laws in other countries. So there are plenty of examples where these issues have been addressed. And of course, I mean, for instance, on immigration, on, immigra on the visas, the special visas for domestic workers in this country until April, I think, we didn't tie domestic workers on the employers. It's now with all the immigration concern, let's say, that the government has, um, uh, that they decided to tie them to the employer. So even in this country, we've been better than we've we are right now. Thank you. Any other questions? If not, then it seems we have a satisfied uh, audience here. And we'd just like to thank Virginia again for a wonderful lecture.